Welcome to the Artism Podcast, where we explore creativity, inspiration, and the determination it takes to be an artisan. This podcast is for artisans by artisans. I'm your host, Kathy Duraghi, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to our next guest. My guest today is Hisano Shepherd, who is a longtime friend and just a brilliant jewelry maker, specifically a pearl designer. Her company, Little H, has some amazing innovations in the world of pearls. She'll talk to us a little bit about her philosophy and how she came about creating the unique pieces that she creates. Thank you, Hisano, for being a guest on the Artisan Podcast today. Excited to have you here and to learn more about you as an artisan and the journey that's taking you to get here. Thank you for having me, Kathy. I'm really excited to be here today. Let's start in the beginning. I know that you started your career in metalsmithing and felt making, and then you made the transition into jewelry. Would love to share that with the listeners as to how you went along that journey. So I always loved creating things with my hands and I would make friendship bracelets or I loved beading as a child. But what kind of solidified my path was when I was 16, 17, I took a jewelry class at high school and I did some enameling and sawing and soldering and made a ring. And at that moment, I just knew that this was my passion. And so I started out going to community college and taking just a bunch of metalsmithing and jewelry making classes that was available to me. And I got a certificate in jewelry making I moved on to California State University in Long Beach, where they offered a Bachelor of Fine Arts program in metalsmithing and jewelry also. And then I took a two-year break after I received my bachelor's, and I worked at a jewelry repair store in South Coast Plaza in Costa Mesa for two years, and I saved up some money, and I knew that I wanted to pursue my career or my studies further. And I went on to State University, New York in New Paltz, where I also continued my master's degree in jewelry. Wonderful. What I find fascinating, though, is that when you were making your felt jewelry, you made fairly large sizes. Taking a look at some of your earlier work, beautiful pieces. When I see your work now, the transition from working with large pieces of felt to tiny pieces of pearls. I'd love to hear how you made that transition by going into creating your own line, Little H. I stumbled into making jewelry out of wool when I was in grad school. And Part of it was a challenge to move away from working with metal and trying to explore alternative materials. But another one reason was a very practical one, and I was just very cold. I grew up in LA, and it was my first time living away from home. And upstate New York, it's really, really cold. 
during the fall and the winter. So I started making scarves and just experimenting with them. And I kind of fell in love with the way the wool manipulates and the tangible fact of working with wet wool and using with the needle with a dry technique. And because of the light weight of the wool, it allowed me to create a larger form. And for me, whether I'm working with wool or pearls, it was really important for me as a jewelry designer and a maker to be able to wear the item once it's complete. So that's how I kind of came about making pieces in wool that was large and very, it's still wearable, but sometimes restricting because of the size. And so I was really exploring the scale of jewelry, like how big is too big, but still being wearable. Fascinating. Thank you for that. And now that you've made your transition into pearls, you really astonished the pearl world a few years back by slicing a pearl in half and lining it with other gemstones and making it look like a geode. Can you tell us more about that and what inspired you to go down that path? Sure. So after I got my master's degree, I was juggling with a couple of different jobs and I was teaching at college, two schools, and I was teaching jewelry making and metalsmithing there. And I was also a pearl stringer at a company, which is my husband's company, Pearl Paradise. So I was always working with pearls three days a week, and then I was teaching twice a week. And I had a long drive to the schools that I was teaching. And on my drive, I would think about all the different ways that I can design with pearls. Because as I was working with pearls and the pearl jewelry, like the standard pearl jewelry that's out there, and this is about 10 years ago, to me, it felt too classic. And it wasn't as creative or challenging. So I thought I can come up with certain designs that would be fun and something different, something out of the ordinary. And that's how I was trained to work or approach a material all through school. And so I started sketching and just kind of designing. And the slicing the pearl It's not something completely new. There were a few designers that were dabbling into cutting the pearl organic shape in half and setting it into a ring or exposing the inside, how when you slice the pearl and showing the nucleus, which is what is implanted to culture the pearl. But I was looking at it and I thought, you know, there's something missing. There's something not as aesthetically pleasing with that. So when I went to Tucson, I was having a glass of wine and we went to a a nice dinner with my husband and I was, I brought my sketchbook with me and I started sketching and it was a sketch with natural 
form geodes, which is very common to see at a Tucson gem show. There's a lot of fossils and minerals that are sold in Tucson. And I was just thinking about that and thinking about the sliced pearls and thought, oh, if I cut a pearl in half, take the center out and insert gemstones, I could actually make it look very similar to a geode. So my husband thought, oh, we could grow some crystals. And so he started looking through that and I'm like, wait a minute, that will take many, many years. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, no, no, let me try. I have an idea. So once I got home into my studio, I started working with freshwater pearls and a type of pearl called souffle. I knew that it was hollow inside. The pearl farmers would insert a earth matter to nucleate the pearl. And so once I cut it in half, of course, there was the mud matter or the earth matter inside. So I cleaned that out. And then there was a pocket, you know, a little cavity And so the first one, I still have it in my studio. I just put crystals in it. And then I thought, okay, if I really practice and get smaller sized gemstones, I can really make it look like a geode. And that's kind of started my pearl geode collection. Amazing. And your pieces are so phenomenally beautiful. So besides the gemstones that you saw in Arizona, What else inspires you? Where else do you find inspiration? I look at the pearls a lot and I go to Hong Kong three times a year to accompany my husband for the buying of the pearls. So I get to see every type of pearls and there are so many, it's not just white and round. There's so many shapes and colors and sizes that are available. And for me, being creative is to kind of limit myself in the materials that I work with. So I have decided that I'm only going to work with pearls. So I limited myself with that. And what allows me with that limitation is that I really get to be an expert in one material. So now I'm not looking into, oh, I'll combine pearl and wool and metal and all these other materials that I can get lost in. It was really important for me to decide that I'm going to make it in pearls and I'm going to be the expert in pearl jewelry. So that really helps. And then also just working with it. So a lot of times... I will dabble into carving into pearls or cutting it in different shapes or cutting in a different way. And it won't make it to the trade show or it won't make it to a collection, but I'm just kind of practicing with the actual material and see what else I can do. So I'm always looking for a different way to manipulate the material. And other things like everyday lifestyle or traveling, going to museums, just doing something completely different away from jewelry. That's always nice and refreshing as well. 
So I kind of keep my life interesting so that I have something else to do other than just working in the studio. Well, that actually reminds me of a story that you had shared about overcoming a dry spell. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? I found it fascinating. Sure. So I am actually preparing for a trade show in New York, and it's called New York Now. And this is going to be my third year participating. And the show has trade shows twice a year. So it's a good place for me to introduce new collections. And my business manager suggested that I should really expand and create a bridal collection. And when you're an artist and when you are not into what people suggest, it quickly becomes kind of boring or I'll start to procrastinate. And I knew that the bridal collection would be a really good approach in business. There's so many alternative bridal wear right now and alternative wedding rings is very, very hot right now. So there is a market for that. And I was interested in that, but then I was procrastinating what kind of collection that would become. And the more I thought about it, the more I didn't want to make, but then the time is ticking. And so I was starting to get a little bit frustrated and decided not to make it. And instead, I was watching Tasty video on Facebook and found a macaroon recipe. And it was a peppermint macaroon, French macaroons. And I thought, I never made macaroons before. And it looks really fun. So I'm going to try it. And so I spent hours and hours perfecting how to make French macaroons. And the first two batter was a disaster. I couldn't even bake it because I mixed too much. And like I started to learn what I was doing wrong and what I can do and then what else I can make other than peppermint macaroons. So I ended up spending the entire December perfecting macaroons. And I made peppermint macaroons and matcha green tea coffee and chocolate (laughs) (laughs) but it kind of I was still keeping my hands busy by making something but my mind was kind of quiet you know I wasn't going after what I needed to make or thinking about what people would like or what people you know what would be appealing to the mass or anything like that it just my mind was quiet but my hands was busy. And I think that was a really good thing for me to do. And come January, I was ready to get back into the studio and start working. Fascinating, almost the zen of baking. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not a baker. (laughs) But I know that meditation and being mindful and practicing gratitude and all of that is very, very important to you. So this almost seems like the art of baking itself was a meditative practice to allow your mind to be free. Yes, I think so too. And something else that was really fascinating over the holidays, my husband and I went to Tulum and 
I went on cave diving for the first time. And it was the first time I really thought afraid of going in the water because of the closing in feeling of the cave. But then I realized that this is where you really need to trust yourself and the surroundings and the other people that you're diving with. And then breathing slowly and deeply is just like meditation. And so it was a really good way to like calm your nerves and be in the moment, which I try to bring it back when I'm making my work. It's so easy to get lost in the things that you're making. But if you're making conscious decision and being mindful about it, there's always something great that comes out of it. Fantastic. Um, Tell me how you handle being present in that mindful practice in your career. Obviously, over the years, you've won many accolades and many awards. How about in the beginning, as you were receiving feedback and or criticism, how did that practice play itself in those scenarios? So my very first criticism goes way back when I was 23. And I was getting ready to graduate from Cal State Long Beach. And I actually went to a career fair in GIA. And GIA is Gemology Institute of America. And it's a very well-known gemology institute where people become gemologists and designers and whatnot. And they had a career fair and there was one designer who was very well-known. And I showed my portfolio to him. And I was super shy and I was so nervous. I had no idea what I was going to do after I graduate. And I just wanted a pat in the back and said, I think you're doing okay. You're going to be fine. Instead, I got the opposite and I was told that I'm never going to make it. And it was this like harsh reality or like a harsh shock to me. But for some reason, I never forgotten that moment, but also it became a fuel. I thought, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to make it no matter what other people say. And that just kept me going. And that fueled me to work at a jewelry repair shop that I, you know, I struggled. I wasn't enjoying it, but I learned a lot and saved a little bit of money to go to grad school. And it just kind of fueled me every time I felt like, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. I think of that time and like, no, I'm not done yet. And here I am. And what was one of the most validating time for me was that after about 10 years and I received one of the awards through Culture Pearl Association of America. That designer who told me that I was no good was there, and he was receiving an award after me. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And so I actually met him. Of course, he was much older, and he doesn't remember, of course, but I remembered. And so for me, that was like the success moment. And what an amazing lesson to share to artists out there. You took this criticism where it could have been 
debilitating for you, but instead you used it as a fuel to drive you towards success. Right. And I think it's a delicate balance. You know, there are some people who are going to give you a constructive criticism that you should listen to and think what you can do differently. But then there's also some criticism that you just have to ignore and keep going and believe in yourself. So that's something it's hard to tell which criticism is good, but then you'll know it in your heart. You'll know when you hear it, it's okay, this is not right for me or okay, I need to listen to this person because this person is looking out for me. And I guess it's that distinction between feedback versus criticism, right? Yeah, definitely. Constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I know in your business, in both your businesses, both Little H as well as Pearl Paradise, that you are responsible for hiring. You hire other jewelry designers, you hire graphic designers, photographers, other creatives. What is it that you look for when you're interviewing What's important to you and an artist? I think somebody who can work independently and responsible with deadline is such a key. Every time I hire a graphic designer and a photographer for getting ready for a trade show, because we do a lot of collaterals, lookbooks, pamphlets, postcards, you always need it yesterday. And it's just the way the business is. And so for somebody who can deliver the project on time is very important. Great. So it sounds like passion, speed, all of those really play into. Mm -hmm. And also the ability to think outside of the box. Sometimes you won't have enough material to work with, but you need to make it look like you have everything in the world that you needed and make it look good. What's really important for me in looking for somebody that I work with, especially when we are creating collaterals, postcards for the trade show, is speed and accuracy and also meeting a deadline. So everything that we do, we typically need it in a very short amount of time. So I need somebody who can come up with an idea and execute it with accuracy and speed. And also, sometimes you don't have all the materials that you need to work with. So I need someone that can think outside of the box and be creative on her own or on his own. I think experience is always helpful, but just the drive to make the project happen and being passionate about it and having that excitement to create something out of nothing is important. What is it that you wish you had known earlier in your career that you could share with somebody just starting out? I think that it's okay to take time to arrive to the destination that you are looking to get to and also enjoy it. I think I was too concerned about being able to survive, being able to be independent, being able to be successful. And a lot of times I was nervous about what I was making and thinking about, well, what if people don't like it or things like that. But 
if you have the drive and the passion, you will arrive. And But also kind of take a moment and appreciate what you have in the journey that you are getting to where you want to be. Beautiful. Enjoy the journey along the way. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. So share a time, if you will, where you really felt that you had arrived, that you really felt that you are creating impact in your field and are being recognized for your craft. I think the moment that I really felt the validation was when I was at a trade show and the first show and the second show, I was just standing in my booth and with the trade show, it's not just about buyers there. There are the influencers, there are the PR people that come in and look at what's new. And the comments that I got from these influencers were, I've been in this jewelry business for 20 some odd years, and I have never seen anything like it. And I had that comment quite often. And that was so good. It felt so good to hear that. Fantastic. Really beautiful. You have beautiful work and truly you are an artisan. And I'm so grateful and thankful that you are here today to share this with all the artists out there who are on their journey as well. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Hisana. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Artisan Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Artisan Creative, a staffing and recruitment firm specializing in creative, marketing, and digital talent. You can find us online at artisancreative.com or via social channels at Artisan Creative. We look forward to connecting.